0: This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. Each week, you'll hear a portion of a work in progress and have a chance to interact with the author and other readers on the author's blog, posing questions, answering questions from the author, and hopefully having a lot of fun. Are you ready? Let's begin. Episode 10 At the end of Episode 9, Ash and Fang found a sheltered place to catch some sleep. When she woke up, he was gone. But soon he was racing back to her, chased by mounted soldiers. Fang leaped past her, and before Ash could ask what was going on, one soldier demanded to know where the vampire was. What vampire? Then another soldier jumped off his horse, chasing Fang, and kicked Ash in the head. Fang shrieked as Ash went to her knees. The world spun around her for a few seconds, and she fought to catch her breath as the hot tang of her own blood filled her nose. Hands snatched at her, and men shouted, and Fang screamed and struggled. Ash blinked stars and darkness out of her eyes as the hands pulled her back to her feet. Fang fell at her feet, so thoroughly tangled in a net that he couldn't twist enough to get his teeth on the ropes, though he certainly tried. His face and the fur of his chest were liberally splashed with something dark red, almost black in the deepening shadows. It certainly looked like blood, she had to admit. But how could anyone confuse a lunatic bunny for a vampire? What did you do, you idiot? she cried. Is this menace with you? the captain of the soldiers barked. He didn't give her time to answer. A gesture at one of his men resulted in ash, whose head still felt rather wobbly and achy. "'being pulled up into a rather uncomfortable perch "'on the front of the soldier's saddle. "'Someone else grabbed up her pack, "'and a third soldier took charge of Fang, "'wrapping straps around the ropes "'to bind and paralyze him even further. "'The soldiers turned their horses "'and raced back down the road the way they had come. "'The jolting ride aggravated the ache in Asha's head, "'and she vomited up the little bit she had eaten. "'The soldier holding her leaned her out from the saddle "'with a tight grip on the back of her collar. "'He called out, and the company slowed to a walk. It was all she could do to hold on to the front of the saddle while her head swam and the blood started flowing again. Huh, the soldier said when she finished. Think that's proof, Captain? I'll admit the boy isn't one, but that doesn't mean he isn't a slave of the vile thing. The captain turned in his saddle to glance at Ash with a clearly suspicious gleam in his eyes and a sneer twisting his mouth under his full mustache. Fang isn't a vampire, Ash said after she had spat twice to get rid of the bile burning her mouth. He's a bunny. He might look like one, the soldier holding her said. Doesn't mean much. Vampires can become all sorts of things and take over all sorts of things. I've heard tell they can turn into mist and trick women into breathing them so they can breed with them. And when their bellies are big, outburst a hundred bats, he grunted. Or was it rats? That's not how it's done, the captain growled. "'Leave the thinking and book-learning to the magistrate.' He glanced back again and scowled at Fang, who just struggled and twisted harder, trying to get his teeth around one of the straps. "'Give it a good dose, enough to make it sleep.' Ash felt queasy enough. She decided to be quiet and wait until they stopped, probably to hand her and Fang over to the magistrate. She watched a soldier ride up alongside the horse, carrying Fang. He opened up a leather flask and poured a dark liquid all over the bunny.' The now-familiar scent of copper and spices filled the air. Fang sputtered and kicked harder and blinked away the liquid, but didn't stop struggling for two seconds. I used it all, Captain, and it didn't do a bit of good, the soldier with the flask announced. What's it supposed to do? Ash asked. Ring, she thought. Have you figured out anything? Indeed I have, the ring responded, sounding relieved and a little eager. It appears that bloodweed is supposed to have an intoxicating effect on vampires. The captain is carrying a booklet in his saddlebag with all sorts of instructions on using bloodweed and how to deal with vampires in various situations. The flask, I have to assume, is a concentrated potion of bloodweed and they expected it to put Fang to sleep. Fang isn't a vampire, Ash said. Bloodweed won't do anything to him. He's just a crazy bunny that likes to eat red things. What about them huge teeth? The soldier at the back of the group called out. Sure looks like a vampire to me. Your sister has huge teeth, the soldier with the flask said. Does that make her a vampire? Several soldiers chuckled. The captain just sighed loudly and nudged his horse into a faster pace. The rest of the company followed suit, and soon Ash was swallowing hard and taking deep breaths, trying to fight the queasies again. Interesting, the ring said. The sound of his voice in her head helped ease some of the spinning, rising, and falling sensation. Ash was grateful. There's an entire section in the booklet about how to help the farmers eradicate bloodweed without burning. It appears that the bloodweed ash is like blood in the water, drawing flesh-eating fish. It attracts vampires from hundreds of miles away. The bloodweed was imported from some dark kingdom beyond the Dragonspine Mountains. That should have been warning enough not to have anything to do with the weed, but the rulers of several kingdoms imported it, believing it would help in the battle against several invading tribes of vampires. It appears bloodweed is rather like catnip for them. A strong enough batch of it will render them intoxicated, unable to defend themselves, and thus easy to capture and kill. However, no one warned the kings that bloodweed grew faster than tube grass in the tropics, It's taking over leagues of the best farmland every month, and difficult to eradicate. Why don't I feel sorry for them, she responded, and nearly wept when the blur on the horizon ahead of them resolved into the outskirts of a town. Nearly at the same moment she realized what she saw, the thudding of hooves on packed dirt and pebbles changed to the clatter of hooves on cobblestones. The next half hour or so was a jumble of shouts, and people gathering around, and cries for the vampire to be burned, and demands for more bloodweed juice, and the captain barking orders to several people at once. Then, mercifully, a woman with authority in her voice ordered that the prisoners be put where they couldn't escape, and to send for a healer. Ash gratefully stumbled across a shadowy room to huddle on a bench and try to will away the hot throbbing on the side of her head. She nearly cried aloud when a cloud of all different spices surrounded her, and a gentle, cool hand touched her head and tipped it back. She opened her eyes to look into a pair of startling green eyes ringed with gold, surrounded by a frizzy halo of white hair. Hurts something awful, doesn't it? The woman's voice was quiet and low, but there was a humming of power underneath it. "'Captain Creakland, since when do you resort to trying to break your prisoners' heads off their shoulders?' "'Without a trial,' she added." "'Accident,' the captain of the soldiers said. His voice was almost unrecognizable with gentleness. He stepped into Ash's field of vision. "'Sorry about that, boy, "'but you really do need to choose your companions better.' "'Fang isn't a vampire,' Ash said. "'That remains to be proven. "'How's your head now?' She opened her mouth to retort that nothing had changed, but then she realized it had. The heat and the throbbing were gone. The white-haired woman, obviously a healer of some kind— "'smiled and handed her a wet cloth. "'Wash the blood off, lad. "'It's never wise to have open wounds "'when vampires are about,' she said. "'Fang isn't... not talking about the bunny.' "'She patted Ash's hand. "'Your accent is soft enough. "'I'm guessing you're from north of us? "'What possessed a young lad like you "'to go wandering straight into the center "'of the battle against vampires?' "'Didn't know there were any,' Ash mumbled, "'and pressed the cloth against the spot "'that had finally stopped aching.' Most of the blood she wiped away had dried. From the amount, she had to wonder just how deep the wound had been. The healer, who didn't give her name, left instructions that the lad should be allowed to sleep. That was difficult, because regular squeals and thumps and angry, muffled soldier voices came through the wall of the next room, where Fang was being held. And judging by the sounds, undergoing various tests or treatments that were meant to keep a vampire subdued. Ash gave up shouting that Fang wasn't a vampire after she realized that calling him Fang didn't help his cause. The soldiers would just have to learn the hard way. Just how many tests did they have to prove someone was a vampire? Was it possible Fang might fail one? Dawn came far too soon. Captain Creakland stomped into the room where Ash had dozed off again and told her, rather more kindly than before, to get up. She knew better than to ask if she could have some water to wash with, or even a bit of bread, although she was even more hungry than before. So she was surprised when a soldier brought in a tray with a pitcher of water and bowl and towel and a steaming bowl of what looked like porridge. Ash thanked them, which seemed to surprise them. Obviously, Lady Charlotte's insistence that everyone learn good manners and use them wasn't a universal practice. She washed, trying to be thorough and hurry at the same time. The water had a faintly oily feel to it, and a hint of some aroma she couldn't hold on to long enough to identify. Maybe the water here came through rocks that flavored it? Maybe plants grew on the sides of the well where the water was drawn up, and they left a residue? It wasn't unpleasant, just different. All that mattered was that she was clean. It felt more glorious than she cared to admit. Ash covered her face with her hands to pray before eating. She peeked through her fingers and nearly laughed when the soldier bowed his head, and Captain Creakland shuffled his feet, looking somewhat uneasy. It was nice to know the big, gruff, scarred man feared someone and something. She tried to ignore them, just standing there, watching her, as she picked up the flat spoon and started eating. Common sense said to eat slowly, because her stomach ached from being empty so long. She did eat slowly, small mouthfuls, chewed thoroughly— Even though the porridge was fine in texture, she chewed, letting small bits slide down her throat so she wouldn't lose it again. Her third mouthful eased her hunger enough. She caught a slight coppery aftertaste. Ash sniffed at the porridge when she took her fourth mouthful. There was a spicy hint in the steam that didn't come through in the taste. What was it? The fifth mouthful went down her throat at the same moment she realized what it was. Blood weed in the porridge. The next moment she was on her knees, retching. Captain Creakland held the washing bowl under her mouth to catch what came up. The soldier handed her the towel, dampened from what remained of the water in the pitcher. "'You wanted me to get sick?' she blurted as she settled back on the stool. "'Technically,' a woman said, in that same authoritative voice she had heard last night. "'Yes, we hoped you would.' She walked through the door wearing a long, dark-blue hooded cloak." Her thick blonde hair was braided and wrapped around her head like a crown, and a large golden key-shaped pin held her cloak closed. "'I'm not a vampire,' Ash insisted. "'No, of course not. We use bloodweed to make us safe from vampires. They can't stand the taste of our blood. But bloodweed is also useful in detecting those with magic in their blood. You could have just asked me.' "'Yes, we could have.' She stepped over and caught Ash's chin with two fingers to tip her head back. "'Why are you traveling with that demented bunny that thinks it's a vampire?' "'Fang doesn't think any such thing. "'He just likes red food and he's a messy eater. "'Hm, that remains to be seen. "'Well, boy, your arrival is most timely.' "'They want something from you,' the ring said. "'Ash held back a sarcastic response in her thoughts. "'Timely for what?' she asked. "'Bloodweed in sufficient quantities will intoxicate vampires into slumber.' I could say a death-like slumber, but they are already dead, so that is redundant. The woman sighed. We have cultivated the bloodweed, so it entirely surrounds the cavern where the infestation of vampires have settled. They are trapped. I don't think so, the ring said. Caverns always have dozens of entrances that can't be detected, until it's too late to stop someone from getting in or getting out. If they're dug out by water and wind, then it stands to reason new openings are constantly being formed. Hush, and let me listen, Ash retorted in her thoughts. With enough exposure, the woman continued, the vampires should fall deeply enough asleep that they will never awaken. The simple solution is to keep cultivating the bloodweed around the cavern, but it has escaped our control and threatens to not only overrun Nordwell, but spread over the borders to other kingdoms. "'Wars have been fought over far less damaging circumstances. "'We need to start burning out and cutting back the bloodweed, "'but doing so could reduce the strength of the bloodweed around the cavern. "'We need to send someone in to determine if the vampires have entered eternal sleep "'and have dried up and gone to dust.' "'Is that what happened to the farmer and his family that we found?' she asked the ring. "'No, those were people who were drained dry by the vampires.' "'Why didn't they turn into vampires then?' she retorted." Did the blood weeds stop that from happening? That's one of the many ridiculously wrong myths about vampires. It takes an exchange of blood between vampire and victim for that to happen, and the victim needs to have magic in his blood to push him over the edge into transformation. Even then, it takes quite a large amount of blood, too little magic, and the transformation is only halfway, or even less, the ring said. How can a transformation be only partial? "'You could have fangs but no taste for blood,' the ring responded after a pause. "'Or worse, a strong taste for blood and no fangs to make it easy to harvest.'" Ash thought she might be sick again. She was heartily sick of being sick. The woman looked expectantly at her. Clearly, she wanted Ash to ask the logical question, but Ash knew better. Asking could be taken as volunteering. Her education might be lacking important elements, but she wasn't stupid." "'Magistrate, the boy doesn't understand,' Captain Creakland said. "'No, the boy understands far too well.' She shook her head, sighing loudly, but visibly fought a smile. "'We need someone with enough magic in their blood to resist the soporific effects of the bloodweed. In high enough concentrations, it can make ordinary mortals sleepy or at least slow their minds. If the vampires are not entirely thoroughly asleep, they could be rather defensive, excitable.' The magic on your blood will defend you against their blandishments, and even make you somewhat distasteful to them. Or so the research says. Ring? Is she right? Ash asked, and was grateful she could speak in her mind to the ring. She wasn't at all willing to trust these people, that they wouldn't take the ring from her, or anything else they thought was magical or valuable. Hmm. Just because something is written down doesn't mean it's true, the ring said. Besides... Common sense says if bloodweed acts like catnip for vampires, and the smoke from burning it out of the field attracts them, then the trap they've set to capture vampires is likely drawing more. Who could burn the bloodweed outside the cavern and set the others free? You don't have anyone with magic in their blood? Ash asked. What about the healer? We have precious few with magic in their blood, and we cannot risk losing any more of them, the magistrate said. More? More? "'All of them are women. Most vampires are men, and they like to seduce pretty women,' Captain Creakland snorted. "'We've lost two already, who went in and decided they liked it better with the vampires. "'A boy who doesn't belong to anyone, with magic in his blood, and a strange, manic companion, is the perfect tool to accomplish our purposes,' the magistrate added. "'Don't tell them!' the ring snapped, his voice loud enough to hurt inside Ash's head. She wasn't even aware that she had been considering admitting she was a girl until he stopped her. She had to agree. It was foolish, and revealing her secret might not make a bit of difference. These people were willing to risk a stranger's life. "'Where is the cavern?' she asked on a sigh. "'Ring, do you think if there are always openings that nobody knows about, we can work our way around the vampires and escape and get away from this wretched place before they realize we've escaped?' "'Anything is possible.' "'But you might want to catch up on all your missed prayers.' Ash hoped it wasn't too late to follow the ring's advice. The first obstacle she ran into, before a soldier returned to the prison house with a map, was when the magistrate informed her they would hold Fang prisoner until she returned. Ash took no encouragement from the fact the magistrate said when rather than if she returned. "'I need Fang. He defends me. He's fast enough to outrun vampires. At least she hoped so.' The ring had said, after all, that most of the stories and legends of vampires were mostly false, so hopefully their speed was one of the misbeliefs. "'He can dig through stone with those teeth, and he bounces around and jumps on things and knock people out with his enormous feet,' Ash added. "'Hm, I can believe that,' the magistrate said. "'Why are you traveling with the misbegotten creature? I was falsely accused of attacking a nobleman's daughter, and I have to prove my innocence in a trial by quest.' That earned a chuckle from her. A handsome young lad like you probably seduces maidens with just a glance. No need for force. Ash thought she might be sick at the very blatant flattery. That mixed oddly with the need to laugh, and a sliver of fear at the thought of the magistrate's reaction if she ever learned how neatly she had been deceived. Definitely. She had to find her way to the other side of that cavern and get out as quickly as possible and never look back. But she couldn't do that if Fang was locked up here. Maybe she hadn't neglected her prayers as much as she feared, because the magistrate thought a little more, then gave in. Fang could accompany her into the cavern. Captain Creakland muttered something about, if they fail, at least the vampires will eat the freakish creature. The soldier finally returned with the map. Ash spread it out and pretended to study it, while she moved her hand with the ring across the map, letting her companion study it. "'Good news and bad news and frustrating news,' the ring announced, just a few moments later. "'The vampire's cavern is one of those blaz marked as empty and boring and safe to explore, as long as you keep to the upper galleries and don't go lower than the water tables.' "'Of course,' Ash responded with a sigh. "'I wouldn't have expected anything less. "'Well, it just proves that Nordwell is so utterly ashamed by how it messed up the plan to rid itself of vampires.' It's keeping the news of the infestation from getting out to anyone. The villagers escorted Ash and Fang, still bound up tight and unable to bite anything, to the edge of the rocky valley where the cavern lay. Numerous people along the way assured her that going into the cavern in the daylight would ensure the vampires would be sound asleep, even if the bloodweed hadn't entirely worked. She would have plenty of time to find them, and ram stakes soaked in bloodweed oil through every one of their hearts, and none of them would wake up. "'Are they really that stupid?' she asked the ring, when she was finally left alone long enough to think. "'Just because it's daylight doesn't mean the vampires are asleep if they're underground and in the dark.' "'Yes, I fear they really are that stupid. They're so dependent on the thousands of fables and wish-tales, they've given up thinking for themselves. A little common sense could have helped them avoid the whole bloodweed problem. What about the belief that vampires can't cross running water?' Also false. And garlic only makes them sneeze and have watery eyes. Granted, if you have enough garlic, you'll make them sick and drive them away, but it's not a good long-term protection. Garlic is better used by eating it and strengthening the blood to fight diseases. In between an uncountable amount of useless bits of helpful advice from the villagers, the ring regaled her with more utterly ludicrous beliefs and stories about vampires. Ash nearly laughed aloud when he discussed the belief that if a vampire stepped out into the sunlight and sparkled, that was a sign he was on the verge of regaining his soul and eradicating his vampirism. No real vampire has ever sparkled, just by the simple fact that strong enough sunlight will burn him to a crisp long before sparkling can begin. The ring made a rude noise again, challenging Ash's self-control to keep from laughing. Vampires don't need to regain their souls because they never lost their souls. They're an entirely different race. They can't make ordinary mortals vampires simply by drinking their blood. Then where did the belief come from? Ash muffled a groan. The escort had stopped. They stood at the top of a rocky slope. The gaping mouth of the cavern, like a yawning man, etched in red-streaked and gold-streaked stone, waited for them. Ash played with the idea of putting a metal tray down at the top of the slope and riding it downward and into the hole. But no, while the slope was certainly steep enough to slide all the way down, she saw cracks and bumps and chunks of rock strewn all across the landscape before her. Still, it might have been fun, if there wasn't so much danger ahead of her. Besides, she didn't have a tray. "'Well, Fang, are you ready?' she asked, as one of the soldiers dumped the bunny out of the net wrapped around him. "'He's ready.' "'And eager to punch some vampires in the face,' the ring responded, "'translating the rapid bouncing in place and squeaks escaping the bunny. "'Do you have any idea how we can get through this cavern without running into any vampires "'and come out far enough away they won't be able to catch us? "'Considering how little similarity there is between the maps and recorded information and the reality, "'Sorry,' the ring said. "'Ash was certainly tired of hearing the ring say he was sorry.' She pulled her shoulders back and tugged her pack up more securely into place. She was grateful it had been cut down from when it was used by the soldiers at Fairhold. It wasn't nearly large enough for a soldier's gear, but not so large it was a burden on her. Fortunately, the bits and pieces everyone had given her before she fled the castle were ordinary and, quite frankly, pitiful enough she didn't need to argue with the magistrate to let her leave everything in her pack when they loaded it with the blood-weed-soaked stakes to hopefully kill the vampires. Either it never occurred to the magistrate or Captain Creekland that letting her take her possessions meant she could try to run away, or they thought her only means of escape was out of this end of the cavern. With all those soldiers waiting at the top of the slope, her chances of escaping in this direction were very small. Maybe they didn't know about the other openings, into and therefore out of the cavern, or maybe the map Blaz provided here was even less close to accurate than the ring feared. And that's the end of episode 10. Considering all the mislabeled, misguided information that the ring has been given, and all the wrong stories about vampires that everybody's been telling Ash, what do you think their chances are of getting through this cavern without running into vampires and having enough information, the right information, to survive the encounter? What do you think their chances are that the vampires will be asleep? Do you think Fang is enough defense for Ash if they run into vampires? Maybe they should just wait until the soldiers go away and try to sneak out of the valley the way they came in? All those questions are just going to have to wait until episode 11. Or you can meet up with me and other listeners on the blog and discuss your ideas, any suggestions you might have to make. Remember, if I use a suggestion you make, your name will appear in the acknowledgements page when the book goes to print. The blog address is Michelle Levine, L-E-V-I-G-N-E dot Remember to come back next week for Episode 11.